0: Distributed systems are interesting. I saw a blog post that I, let's say, realized was perhaps not the most thought-through approach to distributed systems recently. And I saw it in one of the Elixir newsletters at first. And then I also saw it sail up on Hacker News, which I feel like... uh, I hope it was a good experience for the person who wrote it, because... It's very easy to have strong opinions about that blog post because it takes a very naive approach to keeping a number of sqlite databases in sync in this case it would just make every machine shout i believe it did phoenix pub sub and just broadcast like oh i'm doing an insert or it ran it on every node and then returned Either it was terrible for performance or or terrible for resiliency, and it would be terrible reliability-wise regardless, because if one of the nodes go goes down, how do you know? What guarantees do you have? Yada, yada, yada. Distributed systems are tricky, and it's very easy to take a slightly naive approach to them, and perhaps you should. But it is definitely a case where the whole worse is better, just do a thing that works and it doesn't have to be perfect like that. That's often a good idea, but I think it's particularly challenging and potentially dangerous with distributed systems, at least when it comes to sort of databases. And I've been poking about with distributed databases recently. So there's a project called Electric SQL, which is fairly new, and I'm going to be doing a video with them. So I had to use their product and try to figure out sort of what it's all about. And one reason I took on doing the video is because the product is rather interesting. It can sync sqlite databases and postgres databases with active active replication but eventual consistency but it's using sort of a subset of sqlite a subset of postgres and it's a bunch of crdts and a special little server and then you can essentially have any number of mobile devices and any number of postgres backend servers and just i shouldn't say any number but a number and they will be kept up to date and they will be able to sync without conflict due to the crdts so this is a very carefully built out thought about system it was originally intended to be another distributed database and then they realized everyone wants to do sql so they went for that instead and i think it's very easy to to think that well if you just make all the servers do the thing or this and that then then it's fine right but the devil is always in the failure details and the moment you try to make something really distributed And still either want good performance, good guarantees of consistency or sort of high availability or anything. Like if you want any of the good parts of systems, (laughs) it gets super tricky. Uh, I guess that's where the CAP theorem comes in. Have you dealt with any distributed systems? Have you done any thinking about distributed systems?
1: Way too much. Yeah. I was thinking when you said the naive approach to distributed systems, if you... Let's say you want to distribute data between two machines. One of my favorite ways, because it's dead simple, is to have an inbox as in a directory on one of the machines where the other puts things over SFTP. And this inbox is vetted like once a minute or something in a cron job. And that works kind of well because it runs over TCP and everyone knows what they're about and everything is very slow and very boring. So so that's a naive way to do it. And I think there's a naive threshold. When you get over that, like under the naive threshold, it's quite hard to shoot yourself in the foot. But over the threshold, you, you get the real naivety guns, and it becomes easy to shoot yourself in the foot. So we had a thing at work where we're, we are running the absolute wrong number of machines for a nice distributed systems, can you guess which number that is?
0: Well, you don't have a distributed system if it's one, so that's a really poor number for distributed systems. No, but no, I think no, no. Two is <laughs> two is probably the number you're thinking about.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, one is the perfect number for the for a distributed system because then it isn't distributed.
0: Yeah, yeah, it solves a lot of problems, really. Yeah, uh, it absolutely. is also not highly available, probably. Indeed, which is. Something that some people want for some reason
1: you you remove the a part of the cap theorem uh,
0: well, I think you remove the cap theorem because I think the cap theorem is about distributed systems.
1: <laughs> well, nah, come on, let's apply it to something. This was literally feedback
0: to. I got on my script for electric,
1: <laughs> so good. <laughs> 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 because you will have the C part, the consistency part, because only one machine, right, yeah, uh, and the p part, yeah, you get that too, no partitions, only one machine, either it's up or it's not, total win, anyway,
0: yeah,
1: uh so we have two machines uh we want to distribute uh some kind of of jobs uh to cell phones in some soft real time. That means that we can only do have that job runner either on one machine, or they have some kind of interesting lock going on, or they split up the jobs and the uh, workers in some way so that they don't stomp all or, over each other. And since we're kind of small and scrappy, we've gone for the solution where we only have one gen server running on all the machines that does this uh, and it. I think the library used is Highlander to, because it's a very cool name and a very small library to make sure that only one uh, gen server is running on the yeah, on all Highlander the t- or Singleton yeah they're both good uh, so yeah I've been encountering distributed systems and I'm kind of afraid of them I don't know if I'm allowed to say that I don't like them very much other than in theory Or like, it's like I'm a very big fan of practicing uh, jiu-jitsu or some kind of budo uh, but I don't want to fight in real life because that's, that's when you get hurt it's not very fun oh. and I think the same way of distributed systems I love playing around with them but I don't really want to use them in, in anger so to speak <laughs>
0: I think that's that's probably smart.
1: Yeah, this is why I'm such a fan of one machine.
0: Yeah, I'm happy to have multiple machines as long as it doesn't cause distributed systems problems, like having a separate app server, or even having multiple app servers, and then having that talk to a single database, like the uh, what's called the N-tier architecture. Mm-hmm. That doesn't really cause a ton of distributed systems problems unless you introduce caching at the application layer. Uh, at that point, you have a bit of a distributed systems problem, but it might be fine. It also depends on how you implement caching. Like you, you can avoid most of the problems if you like. But the moment you want, for example, a highly available Postgres, then you start to have to get into Postgres' replication and that's where all the fun goes to die. Like Postgres replication, I'm sure it's great. Doesn't seem like fun. Seems like a source of problems. Seems like complexity. It's like, nope, 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 nope. Uh, don't want it. And essentially, anytime you want to get sort of a higher level of availability on your data store, that's, that's when you run into these things. There's a bunch of fun stuff as you said about distributed systems like they are super interesting just a concept like a vector clock was not something i had ever uh, run into before i listened too much to the elixir outlaws and or i might have actually encountered that first with some of the talks on phoenix presence actually which which uses some crdt stuff and a, like a vector clock is such a simple mechanism for data but it's incredibly powerful and almost necess- probably necessary when you want to to wrangle data from distributed systems in a meaningful way and a, do you know what a vector clock is
1: yeah it's basically a counter with a source So I can have a vector clock, then it will be uh, Andreas and then a one or something like that. And then I can send it to you and you can do something meaningful with it. But then maybe you should use your vector clock on the other way back. Okay, let's assume I don't know what a vector clock is because I can't explain it in a reasonable way. (laughs) As
0: far as I've understood them, they are counters. So... And you can have multiple of them if you have a need for that, and I think that's where you get into sort of having them named. But fundamentally, if you're if you're writing to two databases at the same time, and you mark every write with the vector time, I guess the you you include the vector clock. That is, oh, this one is one. Okay, with this entry, the clock is two. With this entry, the clock is three. So that any time data is written, the clock is incremented. I think that's the part of the idea. It's not an It's not a auto-increment ID. What it allows you to do is when, if these two nodes sort of um, get disconnected from each other and both or one of them has a bunch of writes happen, that vector clock will be significantly increased. And then, well, it just won't be the same number. That's the important part. So when you want to reconcile them later, it's a trivial way of identifying that they have diverged at all. And then you can also see at what point did they diverge? And there's some stuff that's kind of reminiscent of how some text collaboration, like text collaboration is done with operational transformation where it's like okay if i want to reconstitute let's say the way we store data is by writing events because we're trying to be a distributed system and we're trying to not have the situation where where we're clobbering each other's rows so we're immutably writing events like this happened this happened this happened but then we want to kind of merge those streams as the nodes reconnect then having a vector clock tells you where where and when they diverged and they give you part of what you need to sort events deterministically and part of that can be uh, usually you also need like a a good name a good sortable name for the for each node so that you can treat each node node the same way every time because this is like distributed system stuff you want everything to be as deterministic as possible, and re- actual clocks are terrible for determinism, <laughs> uh, and they lie and they drift, and servers can't, servers different nodes like can't agree on on what the time is. But a vector clock doesn't tell the time; it just sort of tells you that things have progressed, <laughs> I guess. So I know it's I know it's terribly useful when you're building distributed systems. I have not built distributed algorithms to the extent that I can say anything fantastic about how they work beyond the fact that a simple incrementing number is incredibly useful in in these circumstances.
1: Cool. Yeah, I suppose that if we go split brain or we get a network partition between you and me, but we still receive data, that we then can can see who then we'll have two different timelines i guess how do we do it then is there a git merge for vector clocks
0: i think you need more data than than just a vector clock to be able to reconcile so i think oh. typically typically you need as i said good node names so yeah. i think there's another type of stamp you can use to get consistent sorting between nodes uh, this can be used for logging for example where it might not sort correctly every time but will sort consistently at least
1: okay i think Riak, the distributed database yeah. from some people it if you get a network partition uh the next time you do a get the data from it, uh, the database, you'll get all the possible data. So you won't get one value for number of uh, uh, seen birds. You'll get two different numbers from the different nodes. Yeah, And then you'll have to uh, merge them yourself in the application code, because you as the developer should have a decent idea of how to do that, at least according to React. Yeah, I think
0: that's the case in React and I think uh CouchDB has something similar. Cool. I I shouldn't swear to it, but I know CouchDB has some handling of of sort of offline uh, and offline first and sort of uh writing and reconciling yeah. data, handling conflicts.
1: I think Postgres only has one writer, so that's solved that way.
0: Yeah, so Postgres is Postgres requires coordination. So when you're doing replication with Postgres, it's typically one writer and multiple reads, read uh, replicas. And you you can also set it up for failover. So if, if the writer goes down, you can have some another one take over. I don't know what kind of consensus or what kind of mechanism is generally involved. But that's the thing. Some, or that's a thing, some distributed databases and data stores require consensus. And, for example, they require, oh, at least three of the nodes have approved this right, which has a cost in performance and cannot be uh, offline. It can't be offline first.
1: I forgot the, the other number of really good number of nodes to have. So the best number is one because then you don't have a distributed system. The worst number is two, because then you don't know anything. But you'll at least have two nodes. Uh, three is the best number, because then you can have vote between the nodes. And you always get a, a um, majority vote.
0: Yeah, so three, uh, five, uh, and odd numbers yeah. up Yeah, uh, is generally uh, what you want to be able to but, in- run a consensus.
1: Absolutely. If you if you want a consensus, then it doesn't really matter from two and up. But if you want a majority vote, that's easy to get. I wonder oh, what that happens. Case? Say that you have... I'm just making stuff up. Uh, so I don't know. But I wonder what happens if you have, say, uh, eight nodes. No, nine nodes. And one node goes down. So now you have eight nodes. Because then you can't have Well, you still can have a majority, never mind. But you can have a nobody knows because it's, yeah. So then I suppose you can have a leader among those that will get the final vote. So
0: I think that's some of what Raft or uh, the other one will... Paxos? Yeah. What they can help you with sort of... um what are workable numbers of nodes in a cluster? And I think what you do if you have an even number of nodes is that you can potentially still require, uh, like you require a higher and odd uh, number in the quorum or or something. But yeah, this this is what what I haven't gotten into at all. Cool. Now...
1: Okay, so where were you going before I I got this three epiphany... (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah no idea you know I have an idea about where I was going so there are there are approaches that for example handle split brain by kind of detecting it or like oh a few nodes are down we're still fine we still have a majority we can still operate yeah cool sweet and those are usually cons- highly consistent um, or reasonably consistent like you you don't have to wait for your consistency to the same extent at least but you can't do sort of cool offline first things with something that requires a majority or that needs to coordinate in that way and that's i think where crdts become really cool uh, and tricky i mean it's still it's still super super difficult to get right but where you can have for example a mobile device where you're where you're doing a bunch of things on your phone writing a bunch of things and that's written to a data store and then when you go online that gets synced up uh, or you write on two different mobile devices that are both offline at different points and then they both show up at different times and get synced up that requires sort of distributed distributed systems that don't need to coordinate and that are structured and designed so that they will always be able to resolve conflict and sort of uh, land on a good state it might not be a perfect state it might not be entirely what you desired but it might be it might be near enough good enough generally don't lose your inserts Uh, If you're updating to different uh, or updating the same thing from multiple devices and then go online to get synced, sometimes that doesn't work out the best. Um, But yeah, that's a really tricky problem, or suddenly you have to sort of slice the problem very finely if you want complete accuracy. But that's also sort of what what this, like the Electric SQL folks do, which is one reason I think it's so cool because honestly, uh, so it's open source so if i wanted to run it for myself odds are i would not ri- run it very highly available i would run a single instance of the source of truth which is this electric service but what i'd like f- to do with it is sort of populate well if i was doing it on my desktop some sqlite on my phone maybe some sqlite and then Maybe I have a backend which talks Postgres and maybe I have some kind of weirdo edge service thing where it's like, oh yeah, it can also fetch the SQLite database, do some things to it and then, and then make sure it's synced before, before shutting down again. There's a bunch of cool things you can do when you don't have to worry about, well, is my connection to the database up? you can make something very fast as well because you you have a local database. Local is very, very fast. So I I like that. And this this is when you're getting into sort of decentralized stuff and you start... Some people go straight into uh, no-trust systems at that point and trying to sort of how do you do compute when you don't trust the hardware you're running on how can you share compute how can you yada 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 it's very easy to fall into a fall all the way into blockchain there and i think i think i prefer the slightly pragmatic like oh yeah there is a server there is a source of truth which helps reconcile when things diverge but you can absolutely use it sort of local first and spend most of or all of your time in that mode I think there's uh, there's something really really neat there and it's a design problem. Like you, you have to design for it if you want that capability.
1: I suppose using normal forms on your data makes it easier.
0: Normal forms?
1: Yeah, like one way to design a database is to put uh to have tables with two columns. One column is a primary key, let's say a unique Identifier, UUID. What's that short for? Universally unique identifier. Really good, thank you. Uh, So that's the primary key. And the other column is a blob of JSON, a JSONB blob. In Postgres, this is possible. It's a long time ago. This was the fastest way to make a document database. That was after MongoDB was released. Everybody had very much fun at it. Anyway, if you do this and you want to update something in the blob, you need to get the blob out, do the update, put it back in. And if someone else wants to make an update to the blob, they do the same thing. And if you do this in a uh, not-synchronous manner, all kinds of hilarity and split-brain behavior ensues. Especially if you're, let's say you're working with a blob as if it was text, so you remove from character 38 to character 135 and you put your stuff in and then the next user does the same thing uh, or remove from another character uh, to another character. So this is the least normal for me. And then you can start picking it apart. So you only update like one value at the time. Mhm we just did that and it didn't end well so that's not the right way to explain it.
0: Well, what you're talking about is a fully sort of denormalized thing like a JSON object yeah. that describes your data.
1: And we want to go fully normalized.
0: Yeah, so a normalized uh so normalized data would typically be assuming it's only one level deep, it could be you have a column for every field that would be in that json instead you have a column in your in your database right yeah exactly and properly typed and everything and then someone could do a query that's like oh i want to increment this by 1 they're not sending in all the fields they're sending in the change they want to make
1: yes and if they're really good they're saying update by 1 instead of saying update this field to 74
0: yeah exactly because then you can get two update by one queries, and you will land on plus two instead of plus one, which can absolutely happen if there there's contention. Yep. And people are sending in sort of a raw raw number.
1: Yeah. I really thought I had to remember the normal forms much better, but I suppose it's one of those cannot explain kind of knowledge. I'll get back to you later with the, the real yeah. stuff. <laughs> so.
0: Yeah, I, I keep hearing about normal forms, but I or I've I've heard about it a few times and I've looked into it at some point. And it's like I've definitely implemented this kind of normalization of data in that that's what you do when you sort of um model something in a relational database. Yep. You're generally expected to break things apart and normalize them. Um but I don't know the theory behind it. It's like if I if I looked at Wikipedia, it would be a, just a ton of theory and theory and theory.
1: Yeah, and it has its own language and it's quite hard to break through. And that's... Eh. So yeah, there's probably some some good short video about it somewhere. I've only found the long and really boring ones. So yeah, it's a good thing to do anyway. Yeah.
0: I think when I was new to computers or when I was sort of getting into getting into this kind of thing, I think I assumed this was something solved. How do you mean? <laughs> like, oh, you have a ton of computers and they're all sort of synced up and talking and that will be fast and efficient and better. And it's like, no, well, really? Uh, if you want a really, really fast database up to a really serious point you should probably try to keep it on one node or ideally like if you can segment your data perhaps by geographic regions or something that, that you never need to really query across like slice it up pass it out to big fat servers but keep it few of them or you have to go fully distributed and just uh, build and design around the fact that your data is is distributed across multiple nodes, and sort of avoid, avoid, avoid making queries across it, or uh, or so like um, MapReduce, for example. I mean that's a tool for so the the MapReduce Google thing, not not Map and Reduce, uh, the functional programming concepts, even though those those are a big part of it, but sort of MapReduce and and all of Google's big Data tooling—that's—that's that's designed to handle the fact that it's super annoying, and to have data in multiple places. But it's also dangerous not to not to distribute your data. And at a certain scale, like at Google scale, you absolutely cannot just have one database for it. I mean, they built Spanner, which I is sort of like MySQL for for global data stores. I think it's MySQL compatible. But it's also super complex. For example, if you want to run Spanner, it's like, oh, yeah, uh, your Spanner cluster or your Spanner zones can only tolerate this much clock drift before before it starts losing guarantees or losing its mind or whatever it is. Wow. And similarly with CockroachDB, which follows a similar model, it's like... You can make these geographically distributed, you can scale them very far, but they are resource hungry, they are comparatively inefficient, uh, they're super powerful, but they also demand a lot of work. I, like I was looking at CockroachDB a fair bit at one point, and was like, I mean, it, it seems really nice to have a Postgres-compatible database that you can scale horizontally and just add more of. But when I look at it, it's like system requirements are higher, Base performance is expected to be lower. Like okay, you get you get very distributed reads, but I mean, yeah, you're you're adding so much operational complexity because you're trying to keep a whole global database in uh, some kind of consistent state uh, and agreeing with itself about what the data is.
1: This sounds very much like running a Cassandra or that Q, which is a good name I've forgotten.
0: Yeah, so I think Cassandra is is a decent example of this. I think Cassandra has some design limitations that actually make it probably simpler. Cool. Conceptually, probably a fair bit simpler. But I haven't dealt with Cassandra. One of my newsletter readers recently, I think, mentioned Cassandra and uh, said that they rather liked it but it's like you you have to be pretty careful in your design and you can't add secondary indexes for example. Oh. Yeah. So one of the reasons like SQL databases are hard to distribute partially because SQL is very powerful and lets you do a bunch of things that are inconvenient to design uh, sort of design distributed systems for.
1: But they are very convenient for doing data transformation, storing data, getting data, and so on with. So that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard some stories about Cassandra that someone wanted to was it add a column or remove a column or something. And everything had to be rebuilt. So that took some time for them. Uh, but it might only be, a, a, I don't know if it's true.
0: It sounds... Likely that it was a remove a column, yeah, so this is this is one of the things that I run into when I've been thinking about distributed systems, for example, I've been thinking about how to build a good c m s yeah, and something I was swearing about was schema evolution, and generally sort of okay, so you have developers building code and mostly working on code in one end, this is something you run into with WordPress, where it's like. And they add some things and they change the database structure in some way, for example by adding um, adding some plugins or whatever. And they also perhaps add data to the database that you really want to deploy. But WordPress centers around a bunch of auto incrementing IDs, so when then you have also your production environment and part of The point of WordPress is that you have a nice UI where people can go in and edit. So at one point, maybe your development environment had ID4 and your production environment had ID4 and they were the same post. But then there were four new news posts on the production environment and there were uh, 15 on the development environment. All of the ones on the development environment was ASDF in every field, but they were there. And then it's like, oh but we have all this stuff that we really want to push up. You can have a ton of tables that are just not syncable, so you can't really dump them and push them. The typical way to deploy WordPress work is to log in on production and repeat a bunch of tasks. So you better have kept a list of what you were doing. Like you can push the code, you can push the CSS, you can push the JavaScript, but data, now that's hard. And if you avoid... Auto incrementing keys. It can be feasible to sort of push updates to data, but it's tricky. And when it, if you're building a CMS and you want, for example, uh, I know you're at your job, you use Contentful. They offer a way to build out schemas as you go. Sort of, You, you can log into Contentful and like, oh, this content type now needs to have a location schema or location field they really, really don't want you to do is remove fields. They much prefer that you archive them. And archiving them just removes them from view, which is sort of a distributed systems thing. It's also a data thing. Like it's it's super, you can cause big trouble by deleting fields, but it's even worse if you're doing distributed systems. So if, for example, Electric SQL does not allow schema evolutions that drop tables currently, they're working on, I think, something from Things from the Cambria paper where it's like lenses and different ways of sort of showing a new schema, even if you might not actually drop the field under the hood, sort of adapting to an, an evolving schema. But dropping fields is a big, big no-no if you are evolving your schema and working with your schema and, or working with your data in multiple places because it can cause irreconcilable problems another is auto incrementing numeric ids (laughs) it's like no 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 go for you ids you really 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 don't want to deal with different data having the same ID in multiple places
1: and it's just such a stupid thing to stumble on
0: yeah i mean numeric ids are generally just nicer in many ways absolutely but it's not it's not worth it
1: (laughs) no and it's Yeah, it's one of those, having you you IDs makes it harder to see what happened in what order too. Which is both good and bad. Uh, Good if someone nefarious wants to do something weird where order would be helpful for them. But bad if you want to do something decently nice where order would be helpful. Uh, So yeah, it's messy. We usually uh, handle the removing a field part by... May by deploying the backend that uses the f- the data uh, and the changes that removes the field in the backend first. But we're so lucky that we only are using Contentful or digesting Contentful in one place. So yeah. yeah, it's it's a bit of a sheet. It's one of those. The best way to have a distributed system is to only have. It's not to have a distributed system. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's
0: the takeaway here. I Have think. a single database, or spend a lot of time thinking about having three.
1: Yeah.